I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the FPL Roundtable, the only fantasy Premier League podcast where we guarantee that you might learn something about fantasy, probably. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and partner in crime, Rob Langevin. When I say, as always, it's been a minute, but we're back, baby. Rob, talk to the folks. What's going on, Kevin? What's going on, people? Uh, yeah, we had a brief hiatus. You know, uh, I went out and I was uh, exploring all the tallest peaks in the world, Kilimanjaro, you know. And now we're back a month earlier than expected. Now we can all uh, wax poetic about the price of Ryan Frazier with or without slacks on. doesn't matter because 7.5 for Ryan Frazier is very, very sexy. It's making me uncomfortable to have pants on. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be in the fold of the fantasy Premier League world. And, you know, hopefully on the regular because me and Kevin never promise anything that we can't keep uh, <laughs> to, to bring you uh, weekly stuff. So I'm excited. You know, it's the middle of June. I'm in shorts. Got house slippers on. Life's fantastic right now. <laughs> Had Definitely have shorts on myself. Had the back deck open until we started recording just because of ambient noise. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like <laughs> you mentioned, uh, this is out way too early. The, the reason we're, we're joining today uh, is because the official game has launched now uh, in the midst of June. I think I did the math earlier. It's like 34 days until the start of the Premier League season. Yeah, um, it's just like it's just like oh, the, 43, the, the, the sorry. Thir- 34 days has Premier League April, <laughs> May, and November. Yeah, unfortunately I misspoke so then your joke got ruined by my inaccuracy. It is 43 days. So even bah, even Still longer. Makes sense. You're right, you're right. Um it is a little odd for it to be starting already considering basically no one and the top six has made any signings, mostly just the promoted sides, really. Brighton uh, made mm-hmm. a move themselves as well. Um, you also have situations like Newcastle, where their manager just walked away this week. And uh, now we're already doing fantasy. So it, it has struck a little bit early in the process. But we'll obviously hit you with all of our thoughts on it throughout. Uh, but Rob, why do you think that they pulled the trigger on, on launching the game so early this year? I think two weeks earlier than last year. Yeah, well, I mean, look what everybody's attention's on right now. That there's soccer almost every day on on the telly. You know, you got the Women's World Cup, you got the Gold Cup, you got the, you know, Afcons coming up. Uh, you got all types of stuff coming on. Everybody's focus in the world right now is in, on soccer. You know, you have MLS in full stream, so everybody is basically focusing on the game of footy right now. So, why not optimize everyone's optical viewing pleasure? and add some geekdom to it with some numbers and some speculation and have people from, from our side of the pond and the other side of the pond go crazy and say, Hey, let's get this game going and see how many, how many active players we can get early before the, you know, before the actual rush comes up, like you said, in, in 40 something days before the pick, the actual games kick off. You know, I think it's a smart move. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I'm no, I'm no marketing or, you know, promotionary genius. I mean, I am, but uh, <laughs> like, it, it it totally makes sense from 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 their st- their standpoint. I mean, we're we're almost at forty thousand right now as of recording. People joined up already, and it's only been open for a couple hours. That's that's a pretty good return on initial investment because you know some people around the world aren't even awake yet, or you know it's the middle of the night in you know Tibet. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, a little surprising, but as you say, they they have capitalized on this window. What's interesting to me though is this kind of marks a shift in their strategy because what they used to do is try to hit it in a lull when nobody's paying attention to anything else so that the only thing to focus on is the official game um but obviously as you mentioned everybody right now is thinking about this sport and markets that potentially aren't usually tapped by uh the premier league or at least not as 
regularly um, with all these nations and all these other tournaments at the same time. And also, uh, just as somebody that works in the fantasy industry, I don't know of anyone else whose game is ready yet. Um, nope. So usually, um, at least uh, with goal back in the day, you know, you targeted a release date at least a week before the official game launches so that you get your big hit early before yeah. people have another option. They play your game for at least a week. They're already in. They've already, you know, bought the app. They've already gotten their players in um, before the heavy hitter, which is the official game launches. So with them hitting first just in the industry, it's a really interesting tactical move to kind of take all those smaller sites and other games that have content themselves and then kind of sap it away um, for themselves, which which also makes sense. So uh, a, a little uh, gamesmanship there, I think, from the official game. Yeah. Like you say, taking care of the window of all these other people being interested and also beating other people in the market to the punch, um, which obviously <laughs> benefits them as well. Um, this is not the first big piece of fantasy uh, stuff to drop in the offseason, so I figure we'll kind of chronologically go through that first. Starting with the schedules, um, they were obviously launched, at, what was it, June 13th? Something, something like that. Yeah, middle, middle, of, middle of June. Middle of June. Um, and uh, my initial reaction to it was that the teams you really want are City, Liverpool, and Everton. Um, unsurprising City and Liverpool, because you're going to basically want to have trips for both of them the whole season. But they both have particularly good starts to the year, um, as does Everton, who are like right on that fringe for me. I have two Everton players in my team right now, which we'll talk about at the back end of the show. Um, also, Aston Villa get a tough start against Tottenham, but then pretty smooth sailing there for a little while as well. They all looked like teams I was interested in. Um, on the downside, <coughs> Tottenham, Arsenal, and Burnley. Not so much in the opening stages. Uh, what did you make yeah. of, of some of those early schedules? Yeah, I mean, you you can pretty much cross off City and Liverpool from the having a great schedule anyway, because I think I think that everybody's going to check all three boxes for having them as ownership. I think that, you know, the way that people are looking at last year's game and how it correlates to this year's game, I think that they're seeing the returns and not caring about prices too much, but getting the, the three Liverpool, three City players, regardless of who they're playing, because I think that those mat, their matchups are pretty much you know, they're always going to be in their favor because of their goal returns. So having three Liverpool regardless of who they play, having three City regardless of who they play, based on their price, you're probably going to start them anyway. You're not going to sit somebody on the bench because City is playing Tottenham. I still think they could score pretty much on anybody if they wanted to. So, you know, from that standpoint, you're always going to look at that. I don't I don't like to look too head, uh, ahead of the schedule, especially early in the season, because like like you said before, we, we don't know who is who's – we don't have complete teams yet. We don't know who's going to be in there. Who's going to be priced as a bargain if they do and when they come in? So we're, we're basically hemming and hawing right now just to grab your attention and get you to listen to our stuff. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, then following that, um, over the last few days, we started to get these early price releases, um, which probably should have been a clue that the game was coming. But I think it was just so early that people thought maybe that would be like a week of them doing a few a day, not two then here's the game um we're following some of those early price changes uh the initial thing that was immediately noticed uh, i think robertson was one of the first two or three released um yeah, was that he was at seven dotto which just signified to me like defenders are going to be crazy this year that was immediately backed up by Pereira at six it's <laughs> like oh oh no because this means that the game caught up to the strategies like we had talked yeah. about in our brief stint <laughs> covering last season that four defender was the way to go um pretty immediately that's where all the value was if you looked at like the value chart in the game all defenders and goalkeepers um and so they've kind of uh, brought balance to that a little bit with both robertson and i think trent is 7.0 as well um mm -hmm. for liverpool uh then you have a whole bunch of people at sixes doherty goes up to six dina goes up to six um so they, they they're really kind of <laughs> to borrow a video video game term they're really nerfing wingbacks in particular, and defenders a bit on the whole. Um, in terms of uh, other options in defense, they've switched Matt Ritchie there, which would be really fascinating considering he's on penalties. And I know, Rob, you have a point on penalties here in a little bit. Um, so Ritchie would have been fascinating if 5.5 moving to defense. But we don't know what's happening at Newcastle, kind of mentioning about how some clubs don't have managers. Um, the fact that Newcastle don't have anybody, are they going to keep their attacking or now with Almiron, their second most attacking player? and creative player in defense or are they going to move him back to the wing because then he becomes an OOP which is also interesting but just mm -hmm. it's a little unclear what his role is going to be there but 5.5 depending on what happens could make him really interesting um they also release um Salah 
at 12.5, which pretty much confirmed that there wouldn't be any 13s this year, which there aren't. Um, and then Jimenez at 7.5, I think, looks a steal. Uh, was a little interested in Timo Pukki, um, considering he led the championship in goals last year with 29. At 6.5, that's a little too much for me to gamble on him early, I think. Um, but Wilson at 8 is really interesting, considering the year he just had. If you if you think Bournemouth can repeat what they did next year, both Wilson and Fraser, and to a lesser extent, Brooks, are all worth their new prices. But if you think they're going to be a little bit worse or any significant margin worse, then I think their price rises overtook their that that kind of growth and ability. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, what else did you think about some of those those early ones? Well, I mean, uh, I think you touched on it exactly. It, you know, the, the defenders have all basically this this year's seven is last year's six point five. Um, so basically, everybody's starting, uh, you know, half a buck more expensive. You know, if if the season ended right now, based on what uh, Alexander Arnold or Robertson started at last year, you're looking at Robertson and Alexander Arnold being 8.0 defenders by the end of the year, which is a big chunk of change when you're looking at it from the standpoint of accumulation and buying them back later in the year. Mm. Uh, I know that's that's you know miles and miles away. That's basically almost a whole almost you know 11 months away when we're finishing up, but starting at 7.0. Um, how many of those defenders are you willing to get? Yes, Liverpool, you know, had the most clean sheets or, or tied for the most whatever. Yeah, they, no, they definitely had the most. Um, yeah. And so investing 7.0 and getting clean sheet points, getting the getting the assists that both those guys attained last year, possibly getting them this year because Liverpool still look like the offensive, you know, you know, dominant team that they're probably going to be with the offensive talent that they have up front. They're basically unchanged. So the assist total, I don't think will be what we saw last year, but if you're expecting it to be exactly the same, maybe 20% less, you still are probably getting a great investment because of look at, look at how they scored compared to midfielders. Yes. I understand that clean sheets count carry over and carry more of a, a point basis for defenders. But once you take that clean sheetness away, they're still on par with the, the highest scoring midfielders based on per, per game output and price per output. So, I mean, 7.0, I'm not saying you're going to invest, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not going to invest like three or you know in two or three of them, but you're definitely going to want one of them on your team because you're going to want to keep up with the Joneses, and that's what this game is all about. You, you, thinking outside the box is not always the right way. You got to have the same kind of intricate pieces on your team, whether it be you have Trent Alexander-Arnold and then you're you know you're chasing Robertson, or if you want to roster two Liverpool guys, you know Van Dyke is also in in the discussion. And then don't forget about Joe Gomez also because he's coming back from injury. He's probably going to have a spot now. So there's 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 things. There's, this is what the preseason all is all about. It's all about speculation. We don't have any warm up matches to look at. We don't have any injuries really to look at because you know we don't know. The season's a, a month and month and two weeks away. So we can, you know, sit here and speculate about prices. But all we're basing that off of is last year's expectations. So if you think that you're expecting, you know, watching guys finish up. Like I, it's kind of like the, you know, the Patrick Van Einholt theory of how he always ends the season well. So he's on the tip of everybody's tongue to begin the next year. That's how we're viewing all the stats this year. You know, like, yes, we know Ryan Frazier was was awesome. He was second in, you know, chances created behind Hazard and all the other good stuff. And his price right now is, is awesome. Seven dot five. So, I mean, in, in most speculation teams, I can almost guarantee that he's going to be in a lot of teams. But that's just based on what we're seeing from last year. So if you're looking at it from the perspective, there's two kind of there's two theories here. You're either building your team based on what you saw last year and what you think they could do this year, or what you can completely do this year, not even regarding last year. So I mean, you got to get a good mix of either, or basically pick your pick your uh, pick your poison on how to build your team. But you know, in 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 FPL, there's guys that have been playing this since you know five five six seven eight nine years, as long as this game has basically been out. And you know, there's there's stalwarts there that you definitely need to that you know we're going to score. You know, the Sergio Agueros, he's the best fantasy Premier League player in the history of the official game. Uh, he's basically the the Mike Trout of the official game, we'll call him. Um, <laughs> but you don't – this is the best time of the year because you can put guys in and it's it's almost like one of those – it's a 15-piece puzzle that has, a, a you know, a very hard, you know, dynamic at the end of it. It's not like a 15-piece puzzle that you're putting together with your three-year-old niece. <laughs> it, it's, it's got something it's got so, it's got some formity it's got some complexity. this isn't just three plus in terms of age bracket 
Yeah, three plus because you don't want her eating that stuff. That stuff's no good for you. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, there's complexity to this. You can't just you know, you know, you could hit you can just hit autofill and then work from there and then just leave it. But definitely get your get get your mindset on you know getting guys in there doing some research. There's there's tons of guys all, all across the, uh, the the inner interwebs of the world that are doing tons of research on X goals and you know, expectations of points based on this and how many times he doubled knots his shoes. And it's, it's stupid. It's something like saber, the saber metrics industry of soccer is going crazy based on that. But I still like to watch the game and make visual judgments on what I see. Yes, I do incorporate stats now and again, but you know what? The game's still played in front of your eyes. So that still happens. You know, ask Steven yeah. Gerrard if he, if he thought he was going to trip when he was falling, chasing that Chelsea defender. Nope, what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> sly blow there. Um, to your point about um defenders being more valuable than um midfielders, not just because they had cheaper prices, but just on the whole. Uh, three uh midfielders this year at seven dotto: Milivojevic, Felipe Anderson, and Zaha. Uh, one sixty six, one fifty five, one forty three. They're the the three highest scoring at that price point. Uh, the two defenders this year at seven dotto. Uh, Robertson and Alexander Arnold, two thirteen and one eighty five. So both yep. outscored all of them. Um, Van Dyke at two oh eight outscored the highest score at six point five, which was Perez uh, to the tune of two oh eight to one forty one. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, obviously even even up front, I mean everybody's talking about uh, Jota and King right now as mm-hmm. potential options as forwards, one forty one and one thirty nine. You put that up against the 6.5 of Van Dyke at 208 or Laporte at 177. Not to mm-hmm. just throw a whole bunch of numbers at you, but just backing up your point that, yeah, it, that value is so much more heavily weighted in defense. Because if a defender keeps a clean sheet and gets an assist versus a forward getting a goal, mm-hmm. that is a massive point difference between the two of them. And yeah, it's basically the same. It's basically almost the same. It's the same score, but you're speculating on goals, which are way less, you know, way less speculative than, than a than a team like Liverpool right. getting the clean sheet. And this this isn't new news. This isn't a change to the game mechanic. It's just more emphasized with the no. recent breakdown because a forward literally cannot get clean sheet points. Not only can a defender score a goal, but he gets more points for doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit uh, double jeopardy there um, that definitely benefits defenders heading into the season. But I, I certainly agree with you on that point and hope that I backed it up in a non-boring way. Um, totally. <laughs> so- totally tried to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> so then uh this morning the official game launches i think it was about 8 a.m eastern so what's that uh two two ish one 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 p.m uk something like that i'm sure somebody will complain if we got it wrong um <clears throat> so just some of my initial thoughts um were that there's no super budget options this year nope. um there's no one basaka there's not even a bednarik who, who got regular minutes at times um for me i think the only possible one is sergio rico um, who Spider was brought Rico? in last year <laughs> to replace um, one of Charlie Daniels or Adam Smith. He can play both sides. Uh, posted my initial draft and immediately had a Bournemouth fan telling me that he's not sure Rico is going to get minutes, which is a little troubling. They did bring in Lloyd Kelly um, already in the transfer window to take up one of those wingback spots, probably the left one. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I was like, well, at least there's Sergio Rico. And then immediately a fan of that club was like, do you though? I was like, oh, snap. So, so we'll By see. By the way, there. anybody in the anybody in the fantasy know, do not rely on Spider Rico for any kind <laughs> of return. Fair enough. Then in midfield, I think Dendonker is the most interesting one at four point five. I put Mendy in mine at four point five just because you know he's going to get the minutes, and he had a couple of pot shots last season. Um, but this is not a good year to have to go budget, which is a problem because. These costs are very high. Uh, I was talking on, on Twitter earlier with somebody. They were surprised that I didn't have a, a Liverpool wingback in my first draft. And it's because I, I started with both of them and couldn't make it through the midfield. Switched to just Robertson and then had to stop after Aguero as a forward. It's like, man, like it, it just feels like your dollars are way short this year. Because last year, there were two realistic 4.0 options, yep. which saved you a whole buck. To spend elsewhere. This year, we do not have that, as you were mentioning earlier. The, the, the difficulty level on this year's puzzle has definitely increased. Um, other thoughts. Uh, we mentioned defenses. The, the defensive prices going up. There are four defenders at 6.5 plus. The Liverpool trio of Alexander-Arnold, Van Dyke, and Robertson. As well as, of course, Laporte. The converse to that, though, is if you look at that top tier, 
man, is it expensive. But if yep. you think that either Tottenham or Arsenal will fix their defenses this year, I think Tottenham more likely just because of the <laughs> talent. You said Arsenal's going to fix their defense. <laughs> I did. I did like an idiot. That's hilarious. But genuinely, if, if either of them cut back, I don't know, 10 goals a year and that nets three or more clean sheets, like the fact that Tottenham are almost all at 5-5 and the fact that Arsenal are split between 5-5 and 5-0 is really interesting if they turn things around. Um, but obviously out of the gate, neither of them have good schedules. There are all these other uh, elite players with better ones, so it's easy to look there. Um, like I mentioned, ran out of money really early. Um, and the, the interesting thing about that is, that, like I mentioned, I ran out of money before or as I got to forwards, which is weird because that's where a lot of the value looks to be this year. Because like yeah. I mentioned, they didn't go past 13. So Aguero at 12, Kane at 11, Aubameyang at 11. I mean, these are all players that scored around 20 goals last season that mm-hmm. that are less than Salah, less than Sterling, um, which is really interesting to me. You have cheaper budget options. Like I mentioned, Jimenez at 7.5, I think is a bargain, although their early stretch isn't great. Jota at 6.5, he played as a forward all year last year. Um, he bumps up there as well. So I, I think there's good value at forward. It's just how do you get there? How, how do you have enough left to have two stud forwards and four stud defenders. Because I, I think the strategy this year is 4-4-2. I mean, you mentioned not trying to, to reinvent the wheel too much. And that you probably kind of want to go with the trends at the moment. Especially if you're following people on Twitter. Like, well, I'm not going to say like us. That's a huge ego boost. Um, <laughs> but if you're following people that are like in the top thousand or so last year. I think predominantly the look is going to be 4-4-2. And the question is, where do you get that money for that second star forward? Or are people going to just look to... To the likes of Jota on, on the cheaper, Jimenez on the cheaper, Wilson um, up there. So I just think that's going to be really interesting. But I think while everybody's talking about how overpriced the, the defenders are, the forwards are actually a little bit on the cheap end. Um, oh, and Arnautovic at seven. Like if he shows yeah. up at all, that's decent. Benteke and Ings, if they bounce back at all. Like I, I just think there's a lot of really interesting forward options. And it's one of the first years in a while where I felt really harmed (laughs) there are only three forward spots because there's so many people i'm interested in and i just don't have the money to do it if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, with, with, with the forward spots, it's it's less of a cliff this year. Last year, it was like a huge cliff. It was Aguero, Kane, and then a huge jump off, and it was like, then it was then it went to Firmino. Now it's more of like Oba, it, yeah. it kind of plain and Obomiang. And then it now like now it kind of evenly planes off where you have Lacazette, Firmino, Jesus, Vardy, Lukaku, Rashford, you know, in that secondary group. Um but yeah, I mean picking picking your, your second forward is gonna be the, the hardest part here. It's where you're gonna rob yourself from. Are you gonna <clears throat> rob your points of rob yourself of points in defense? By, by not having a 6.5 or a above 6.0 defender because you want to spend the extra, you know, 1.5 to 1 on a, on a forward that basically when you're looking at it all right now, you know, uh, 
is is all question marks. Is is Wilson going to have the same season? Is Jimenez going to have the same season? Is Arnautovich going to be what we think he is eventually? Who knows? You know, you can't trust the Burnley the Burnley guys that they just don't score enough. They, will they give you decent enough returns at six top five? Sure, but you don't know. I threw I threw I threw Pukki and Pucky into that whatever you say his last name Pucky into that same same thing. We see it every year with it where the leading scorer from the championship comes up. You know, it, it go, it's the it's the Odianagalu disease is what it is. You know? <laughs> it didn't you know, work we, last year so well for we what it. is it Matej Vidra at Burnley yeah. didn't even start. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, and then the, the most one of the most interesting options to me is is a guy who you know I. I just found out he's he's got a freaking half brother that plays in the in the Premier League and it's, it's Gerald De La Feu yeah. for Watford at six dot five, you know, for for anybody that didn't know Gerald De La Feu and Lucas Digne are half brothers. Which as soon as you texted that to me, I was like, oh wow, that actually like as soon as you said, it, I was like, duh, like <laughs> how do we not all know that? But yeah, excellent bit of tidbit, uh, tidbit but, uh, knowledge from you there. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the initial launch? Yeah, just just get to, like Delafeu falls into that Patrick Van Einhold uh, theory of we remember what they did at the end of the year. Uh, he finished yeah. up very strong for Watford. Watford made a good showing late in the year. You know, they they made a top ten, uh, top ten finish. Yeah, they finished in the top ten. So uh, people are going to look at that and remember. And at six out five, he, he's he's in that discussion for you know striker two three for me because if it depends on how you spend your funds the rest of the way. He could be your second striker because you're investing heavier in your 4-4-2 format. And I wouldn't be surprised if more people aren't doing uh, a full, uh, what do you call it? A f- yeah, 5-3-2, five, five, to mm. be honest with you this year. Oh, interesting. Because, because the, the, midfield, the midfield pricing for me is, is where, the, where, the, the bone, where the metal hits the, the road here. Because if you look at the pricing for all the midfielders, <clears throat> it's Salah, Sterling, Mane, De Bruyne, Sané. Then, then you have some Tottenham guys, and then Mares again. Mares, I don't think is going to be owned anywhere because nobody's going to trust that he's going to get minutes. Uh, then you get into the, the question of is De Bruyne going to be healthy at nine dot five for to start the year or for any kind of sustainability? We know what Sterling can do if he repeats last year. Twelve dot is a bargain right now. Twelve dot five for Salah. He's probably going to be overselected just on his name popularity and what he can do because he's a popular captain option right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, good so, start to the year. You know, uh, but then then you get down to like the, the guys in the middle, and it's mostly, you know, teams like Everton, like you said, have a great start. They're probably going to be a little bit overowned. You got Richarlson, but people are going to remember what they did last, what he did last year, and then disappeared for what eighteen games where he didn't score. Hmm. And then you have Sigurdsson, who finished up strong secretly. Nobody really even paid attention to him. And then you got Bernard, Bernardo Silva. So basically, you're basically looking at almost you're, you're you're caught in the conundrum of how we how we spoke before of you're going to have three Liverpool players and have three City players. Where where you allot your three Liverpool and three City players, I think, is the the, the great determination of how you're basically building your roster on six uh, the other nine guys, not on the six guys that you're already choosing from Liverpool yeah. and City, because you could start your team with. All, with three stout defenders, you could have two Liverpool defenders. You could go Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson on defense, and then you could put a Laporte as your third third defenseman, and then go completely cheap, and then only have three defenders. And you probably would be okay with that because you you think you're saving yourself money. Because I tried to do this when I was building my first team, it's not what I settled on. But then when you get to you know pick your goalie or your third forward, you know you're you're looking at guys that don't even have any remote chance of getting you any kind of return in a situation if you needed to. You're looking at like Shane Longs, and it, it's not a good situation to be in. The the pricing this year on on the defenders is going to definitely hamstring a lot of people for their fourth and fifth midfielders, and they're definitely their third striker because there's going to be a lot of players that people pick that are not going to be useful. I think there's going to be a lot less, uh, you know, their bench is going to be a lot of dead weight instead yeah. of having usable options that they can sub in and out because of the three Liverpool, three city guys right out the gate because of the schedule. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you're calling people listening may as well, that we used to advocate always having at least 13, one. if not 14 useful options in your squad, like maybe have one 4.0 price dump defender, but you don't want to have too many of those, especially when it comes around time for double game weeks, which are obviously a long way away. Um, yeah. But uh, although yeah. I think somebody said that it might not be, Liverpool might get an early one because of the Club World Cup, but I, I can't speak to that. I don't really remember. Um, but anyway, um, 
this year, like you're saying, it's just not possible. It feels like your money's short. It feels like um, you're in like a country whose dollar just like, not dollar, but their currency just like deflated. Like I don't want to yeah. say Venezuela because that's like a really hot button place right now. <laughs> but let, let's say Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union where like yeah. literal like joke money had the same value of actual money where they're like, I don't, do you still take this? Does this count? It kind of feels like that where like your money feels like it's just not stretching nearly as far or like, you know, America right now, but let's not not get into that too much. But I, I, it's, it's totally true that you're really, yeah. One of your favorite phrases was it, uh, Steal from Peter to pay Paul? Is that is that the thing you said? Robin Peter to pay Paul. Right, yeah. It feels like you're doing that with every person over six out of you add to your squad. But in midfield, like you're mentioning, like if you ignored everyone else and you spent under 9.0 on every midfielder that you had, a midfield of Ericsson, Pogba, Richarlison, Zaha is not bad. It's just no. bad compared to those other guys that we're talking about. Compared to Liverpool and City, which, by the way, I, I think one of the highlights of this whole process uh, is what happens in City's attack. I mean, obviously it always is, but De Bruyne at 9.5 versus Bernardo Silva at 8.0 is insane considering their attack. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who's going to get more minutes. I don't know if they're playing together. This is David Silva's last year in the Premier League. So I don't know if they're going to make sure he gets his minutes in his final year. I don't know how that's all going to break down. But one of De Bruyne and Silva will be a hilarious steal um, mm-hmm. come the end of the year. It could be both, but it's probably just going to be one of them is going to be uh, just absolutely overtaking. And I feel like as opposed to Liverpool, where all their star players tended to either hold or increase their price, it seems like these City guys are actually a little bit lower. And my guess is it's not to do with anything about the club because obviously they're going to score a gajillion goals. I think even more than last season, the price setters were worried about minutes. Mm-hmm. That not all of these players will get enough minutes to matter. And it's really just kind of a gamble from there. And like you said, what it's top 10? One, two, three, four. Yeah, four City players in the top 10 of price. Which wow. is just absurd. Then you have the Silva's just a little bit further below that. So it's just, what are you going to do? Who are you going to trust? It's probably not Leroy Sané. And honestly, I really hope they sell him to Bayern Munich because A, it would weaken City, and B, it would really simplify our fantasy lives. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the thing. It's it's crazy to think about what City City could do here. It's it, it's almost you're almost guessing, you know, at, at this point because it's so early in the season. You don't know what what's going to happen. I mean. The only thing you know about you know about City is they're, they're probably set at goalie <laughs> and defense. <laughs> yeah, and even in defense, it'll be interesting because like, is Odomendi gone or not? Company is officially gone, but like, is Stones going to get his minutes? Because at five dot five, yeah. Stones is really interesting. I mean, obviously I mean, Laporte is better, but Stones at five dot five is probably better value than Laporte at six dot five. Well, they're still they're, and and City's still involved in the Harry Maguire talks. They want to throw sixty five million to Harry Maguire. Oh my gosh. I literally can't picture him in a city shirt. I tend to think of them as like sophisticated footballers and just Harry Maguire's face does not really belie that. That's like putting Phil Jones on Tottenham. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't put that out into the world, man. What are you doing? Um, I, did I did it. You did. Uh, but also, yeah, I, I honestly might really shortchange myself with city players this year. I'm kind of giving away my team piece by piece, even though that's supposed to be the end. Because... I look at Stones at 5.5, and I think that's a better value than Laporte at 6.5, obviously knowing Laporte's a better player. I think Bernardo Silva at 8, even if he doesn't play every match, even if he's less successful uh, production-wise than he was last year, it would be so much easier to stomach the down matches of Bernardo at zero, or sorry, at 8.0 than it would be De Bruyne even at 9.5, even though that's such a good deal. I mean, Sterling at 12.0, if you have Sterling the first five weeks of the season and he scores twice and De Bruyne has two assists and Bernardo has a goal and an assist, the yep. value isn't Sterling's. Mm-mm. And we're just going to have to do that all year. And it's really, really irritating. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to think about right now. You know, in the early goings, Mohamed Salah is already selected by 37% of teams. Yeah, I saw somebody say Jimenez was like 80 or something that I, I don't know what stage because obviously as as it's launching you know there will be big swings as different people join in let me check it right now because i was like what okay it's it's down to only 53.7 only 
And listen, Jimenez was great, but as you mentioned, like the the big question whenever you're looking at a player's prices, what do you think the difference will be in their performance from last year to this year? And then judge whether or not you think it's a value. Um, but now I, I want to talk about some bounce back candidates. Um, for me, uh, just mentioned some of the city guys. If De Bruyne bounces back, obviously that's like the huge one with the asterisk and the halo over it. But I think a really interesting source of points could be United. I mean, yeah. Lukaku, if he stays, they've currently rejected all offers from Inter Milan. 8.5, as, lo- as well as Rashford, whoever wins that job. Yeah. 8.5 for a starting striker there is really interesting. Also, I don't know if you're watching the Copa America at all. We mentioned how Sagar's on everything right now uh, at the mm-hmm. Copa America. Alexis Sanchez playing fairly well. He's going to play Colombia, I think it's tomorrow night as we record this, which I'm going to be covering that one. Cough, cough. Um, but uh, he's been playing well. He's at 7.0, Rob. Yeah. Like, if he has a 8-8 eight and eight season, 8 goals and 8 assists, if he stays, which we obviously don't know, but I don't know who else would be interested in him with his 300k wages. If he stays and gets 7 goals and 7 assists at 7.0, he will be in everyone's team for like a 2-3 yeah. to three week stretch. Easy. 100%. As soon as he starts doing stuff. 7.0 for Alexis is just insane to me. Also, Pogba, again, if he stays, 8.5. I mean, considering yeah. that like first, what was it, like 8-10 to 10 week stretch when Solskjaer took charge. I mean, he was one of, if not the best player in fantasy over that period. And at just 8.5, I mean, you know there are going to be ebbs and flows with Pogba. But if you catch him at the right time, 8.5 is going to be a really interesting value as well. But now I'm going to kick it over to you because somehow, even lower prices are your beloved Chelsea. Winners of the Europa League and also still in the Champions League again uh, via the top three finish as well. Yeah, I mean, well, they they have a huge, ginormous hole to fill that they can't really fill with any money because they can't make any transfers. So basically what you see is what you get from Chelsea until after January. So, I mean, you, you got to look at a guy who I think is probably going to get minutes besides Pulisic and Pulisic isn't in the game yet, which is kind of confusing because he actually hasn't been, you know, logged yeah, in July a minute 1st. yet. Yeah. So uh, he'll be in the game uh, after July. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a guy like, like William. I think William is the guy that's probably going to get the most bump in minutes there. Um, I think he could be a bounce back. He only scored what he scored 118, 108 last year, but he didn't play a whole, you know, caveat of minutes. So, Having, not having Hazard and needing a playmaker on on a wide side, I think I think William William fits that fits that that role there. No, another guy I, I could also see bouncing back and at a decent value is if I know we hate talking about Arsenal because we both don't really like the team the club too much, but considering he had a good stretch in the middle, is, is McTarian at seven Given that Arsenal is probably going to be in the top six in scoring goals, they they got to facilitate from somewhere and he's going to play. He's one of their better players. So at seven you're probably getting one of the Better playmakers, like you said, with uh, getting eight and eight. If, if McTarry can get you, you know, six and six and ten, he he makes seven dot a value. Yeah, totally agree with you. And if people can hear that thumping in the background, they're trying to build a bridge behind my house, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, all excellent points um, from you for sure. Also, Otzel at seven dot five. I mean, we've been waiting for a couple mm-hmm. of years for him to recapture his form. He led the league in assists. What was that? Three years ago. And then just, it's been like a precipitous drop since. But him at 7.5, like you're mentioning, his Arsenal players. Also interesting. Also, a link between Arsenal and Chelsea, of course, Olivier Giroud. This is his job right now. I mean, Tammy Abraham is going to show back up at the club, but he did not impress when he was at Swansea. He went back down to the championship um, with Aston Villa last year and did very well for them. But right now, as things stand, with no available transfers and Tammy Abraham, the only other registered striker at the club, this is Olivier Giroud's job. And yep. after a difficult opening match against United, things look pretty sweet to, like, November. Um, and, of course, he's had good seasons before. He had 12-5 and five and 16-17, and 16-6 and 15-16, and 14-3, and 16-9. He has been an effective striker in the Premier League. And one of the bigger surprises of last year was that in the midst of all their striker issues, they opted to go Hazard up front instead of Giroud. I continue to not understand that. Part of this is because I'm a Tottenham fan and he always scores against Tottenham. So I'm sure my sample size uh, and bias leans a little bit (laughs) towards him being uh, better than he is to to allow for that in my mind. But Olivier Giroud at 7.0 is a starting striker for a top six team. And he's at 7.0. Like, we're talking about Jimenez, about the bargain that he is. He did have a very good year. But if he's a bargain at 7.5, what's Giroud at 7.0? I agree that Hazard being gone is huge. Like you mentioned, he was top three in chances created last year. Sandwiched in between um, Madison and Ryan Fraser. But you have Pulisic coming in. 
Pedro and Willian on the wings is not a horrible wing combination, although both of them have regressed significantly over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. But they're not awful. At some point, you're going to get those young guns coming through. You're going to get Callum Hudson-Odoi on one of those wings, probably the second half get, of the season, not yeah. the first because of injury. You're going to get lost his cheek when he gets, when he gets healthy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, like This is an interesting team. And Giroud is 7.0 because Pulisic is going to be listed as a midfielder. There's no argument he's going to be listed yeah, as a forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and on, as a player, obviously, he's going to be providing more than he's going to be goal scoring as well. So for me, I think Giroud is a really good bounce back candidate at 7.0, partially because there are no other options, but partially just because I think he's a good player with a low price that plays for an attack that will get forward. Yeah, that's all good points. I'm not going to disagree when you're talking about my blues. <laughs> Fair. Um, then another guy kind of back from the dead. Uh, Elmet El Mohammadi, who has been gone for a minute. The last time we saw him was not good <laughs> with just two assists in 2016 17. But before that, two goals and five assists in both the 14 15 and 13 14 campaign, um, with 10 clean sheets in each of those. That was, of course, when he was with Hull. Uh, now he's back up with Aston Villa. He had eight assists last year in the championship, which I think was good for top 15. Um, no Tammy Abraham up front unless he somehow goes there and Giroud is literally the only striker at Chelsea. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they bring out up front. I know they just uh, signed the guy from the Belgian league whose name is escaping me right now. Um, who has a bit of an aerial presence, not nearly the product, or not nearly the prospect that Benteke was when he was leaving Belgium, but they just opt for another just big honking striker from Belgium. Uh, do ask him Villa. <laughs> but I think El Mohamedy at 4.5 is really interesting if you're looking for another championship uh, wing back, a little less bounce back candidate because we haven't seen him in the Premier League before, though. Max Aarons at 4.5 is interesting as mm-hmm. well. Um, but the issue in defense, like the issue used to be as forwards, is now there are too many defenders to look at. Like now it's like, oh, well, we only have five slots. If you're using them as a price dump, there's only four. Can you have two 4.5 midfielders? Because that means you're missing one of. The Liverpool, City, or for me, Everton defenders and, and Luca Dine, Lucas Dini. I don't know how we're pronouncing his name anymore. A lot of people have said a lot of different things. Dinier? Dinier? I thought it was Dinier. Lucas Dinier. And then in the middle of last season, people started saying Luca Dean. And then by the end of the year, people had stopped saying that. So I really don't know where that lies. Maybe we should ask his uh, half-bro, Gerard Delafayu. Luca Delafayu. <laughs> exactly. But I think El Mohamedy is, is, is worth a shout as well. Although I assume by your groan that you do not agree. Well, here's my, here's my, here's my thing. If you look at all the predictions right now, is, is Villa predicted to stay up? Probably not. Probably not, although Newcastle getting rid of the manager kind of helps. Yeah, my my theory for cheap defenders is grab guys who make a ton of minutes, that grab a ton of minutes, that may not score you a 1,000 points, but are guaranteed to get you non-blanking minutes. Look at Duncan Duffy from Brighton. Mm, They play every minute of every game, and they don't miss. At 4.5, you can't go wrong. It's It's like a staple item. It's bread, food, Duncan Duffy. Um, stuff you know, like you said, there's no 4.0 guys, so we're not we're not going to rely on anybody like that. Mac uh, Aaron's is a great call for Norwich. I, I was reading a good piece on him that is he's an excellent facilitator. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't trust Watford defense because you know I think they all follow from the the red card magnet. Of what's his face? <laughs> Jose Holobus. Uh, yeah, Holy Holobus, uh, who somehow is Greek. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> well, it's, his name in Greek is like Cholavas with a V. Yeah, Because sure on his kit, isn't it Cholavas? But then yeah, on his Cholobos. registration, it's Holabas, H-O-L-E-B-A-S. Which sounds like something you dip pita in, but what anyway. <laughs> oh, did you have that Holabas down at Athenian last week? Yeah. Oh, oh, my so God, it was, oh, my God. It was a spicy tuna with, uh, with Holabas sauce. Yeah, <laughs> so Do you think Holabas is better? Okay, actually, power rankings. Just real quick, your top three. Uh, tahini, tzatziki, or holobas? In what order of deliciousness? Tzatziki. You got to go with the cucumbers. You got to okay. go with cucumbers. <laughs> so that's gotta, first, gotta, then tahini, yeah. and then holobas in that order. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. The first two sauces far less likely I mean, to get you a red card. Yeah, but but I was saying like the Duncan Duffy thing. I mean, Duffy got one. Duffy was on one one hundred what fifteen points last year. Mm. For four, he's a, he's five and and Dunk is a little bit cheaper at four dot five, and he, he scored right around a hundred. So, I mean, you're not you're not missing out that much from from the the striation of, of dollars to points there if you when you when you break it down. Yeah. And and I I'm just not I'm not buying into the the 
the Lucas Delafeu or the <laughs> Pereira train right now. I, at 6.0, if, if, you know what it feels like? Mm. It feels like the Marcus Alonso trap is what it looks like. Interesting. Yeah, the the only reason why I'm this high on Digne is a because he was a fucking baller last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, that. absolutely. But uh, also, I don't know if you looked at his schedule, but they have one match against the top six team before week eleven. One. Wow. They have City in week seven. Palace, Watford, Villa, Wolves, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham, Brighton. With City in the midst of that. That's it. If you add Tottenham, then they don't see another one until match week 15 in Liverpool with Southampton, Norwich, and Leicester filling those other ones. Like, I understand that he's overpriced. I really wish he was 5.5. But to have that early run of fixtures, to know that I can just run a Liverpool guy, a City guy, and him, and just roll it, bring in a fourth mm-hmm. defender when the la- when the minor- when the lineups match up, I feel yeah. super great about that. Again, like I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm willing to pay the point five for convenience with Lucas Dina. Oh, absolutely. I, I get you from that standpoint, but I just, I just don't trust it. It feels like in the Admiral Akbar challenge with them too. I don't. I don't <laughs> absolutely fair, and we'll obviously see um, in like two months <laughs> when the season yeah. actually starts yeah. in August. Um, another bounce back candidate for me that I think is is worth keeping an eye on is uh, Miguel Almiron. Came in with a lot of hype in January from Atlanta United to Newcastle. He was handpicked by Benitez, who is not there anymore. Didn't get a goal or an assist, then got hurt. Pretty disappointing for six months to his tenure at Newcastle. But he is talented. Do not make any mistakes about that. Um, And depending on where Richie lines up, he could be the primary creator for Newcastle. And while Benitez was fantastic for Newcastle, there was not a number 10 spot in his tactics. Um, if there is one for somebody that comes in, I think that's where Almiron would be best suited instead of out on the left. Um, but I think he's somebody that would be really interesting at just 6.0. And then a couple of West Ham guys um, <laughs> that have been fantasy stars at one point or another and then have very quickly become not so. Lanzini through injury, Snodgrass, because he just seems to be good or crap alternatingly in uh, random weeks. But at 6.5 and 5.5 respectively could also be interesting if you think West Ham are going to do anything this year. Yeah, I, I agree with West Ham that they could be sneak. They could be sneaky good this year. I, I like Diop on defense there at at, at his price at four out five. Mm. Yeah, if yeah. If he stays, if he stays, I heard he's got some transfer numbers on. Him. Yeah, with both the 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 Manchester clubs interested. Uh, yeah, Diop's a great shout as well. Also, Felipe Anderson in that squad as well. Antonio, yeah. who knows what position he actually plays yeah, these days. And, and if this Juan Basaka thing with you know United is act is is official, you know officially official when it's officially official. Mm-hmm. You know, at five point five, he's the he's the most expensive, but could be the best bargain on a United defender squad where he pri- he prices out with Lindelof. True, although it should be noted with this increase to Wambasaka, he does not provide in the attacking third. Like it, nope. as we're talking about these wingbacks being these massive attacking threats, that is not his game. <laughs> what was his mm-hmm. game was being a cheap clean sheet option. So if he goes to United for 5.5, you'd assume the chances for clean sheets goes up from Palace to United, although I'm not sure that that's what happened last season now that I think about it. I bet you it's close. I bet, I you, it's be- I bet you it's way closer than people would like, it's probably, especially it's probably like in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not great for United fans. But um, j- just a reminder on Mombasaka that, that that is his game, is clean sheets, not so much assists. But I do agree. Going to Manchester United would definitely inflate his value unless we're wrong. <laughs> it was actually yeah. Palace with more clean sheets last season which would be hilarious. Um, any other bounce back candidates for you? No. I mean, we could roll this right into my uh, my secondary thing because it's kind of like a bounce back thing because these guys are significant, and especially with the mm. VAR right now going on in the World Cup, and now it is going to be an officially official thing in, in the official game and official Premier League. Uh, this, these are the guys you gotta, you got you got to roster them now, I think. I think that the VAR is going to increase Statistics have shown that the goals increase based on the VAR or goal chances and goal, you know, expectancy and the, the chance for, for penalty kicks do go up with VAR in place. So, you know, I think guys like that we know that are, are you know, humdrum penalty kickers like Milivojevic and Mark Noble at 5.0 mm-hmm. midfielder are going to be, you know, rosterable options. You know, every team, you know, has as a couple free kick takers, but Milivojevic basically takes almost every single one for that, that club. Noble, yeah, he when takes he's on corners, the pitch, free kicks and penalties. Yep. Noble, when he's on the pitch takes almost every penalty kick. So 
I, I know we I know this was a main thing, one of the main talking points here. I just wanted to roll it in here because we we ha- we ha- we have been very didactic today, Kevin. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to bore everybody the first day of the season. But but don't discount the VAR darlings. Yeah. Of Milivojevic, Noble. Uh, you mentioned Matt Ritchie before. He does take the, the things for Newcastle, but with their skipper out of out of play, we don't know what's going to go on there. Um, but definitely keep in mind when you're looking at that. Go, go, do yourself some favor. Do yourself a favor. Go look at last year's penalty kick takers and who took the most, mm-hmm. and then compare it to the price of, of these guys and see if you can't get yourself a bargain like a seven like a seven Milivojevic or a five Noble. I'm not saying we roster both of them, but maybe you might want to roster both of them if you're going if you're going cheap somewhere for twelve yeah. for twelve you're getting expectancy of you know VAR. I think it, it, the goal expectancy rises by 0. 0.75, 0. 0.70 a game mm. of goals. Dang. I mean that that's that's a pretty telling number. So that's almost a goal a game based on based on a penalty kick. Yeah. It's, so just just so people have a, a bit of a narrowing of, of what to look at. The top 5 in penalty kicks earned last year, United, Palace, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Leicester. Um which off the top of my head would be what? Pogba, Milivojevic, Wilson? I don't, it seems like they changed they, always they, the format. They, they basically went whoever. Sometimes they gave it to uh, whoever Josh, it. If Josh King got it. He yeah. took it. Interesting. Then Liverpool. I don't think Salah takes them for Liverpool. Uh, he I took some of them. Of the I think if Mane got, drew the penalty, I think mm. Mane. Interesting. Took yeah, and then Leicester, which would be Vardy. And then, um, uh, oh, Mil- Milner. I guarantee Milner Oh, led, when he's on the pitch. Yep. Probably true. Uh, also, I checked on clean sheets. Oh, it's stark reading. Uh, Crystal Palace, 12 clean sheets last year. Manchester United, 7. Oh, mm, it's not good. <laughs> but, it's not good. Oh, I want to own David De Gea. Oh, yikes. Although, I think this is the cheapest he's ever been. Oh, don't check me on I that. Think, I think you I can think actually check five. that on his player page. Yeah, it's fine. But I don't know if he's ever been cheaper than that. Yeah. Now I'm checking just because I can. Nope. It doesn't have it on there. Oh, yes, it does. Six. Oh, he's been 5.5 for a long time. Never mind. I thought it was interesting, but turns out I'm just dumb. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we'll start to wrap up here. Um, for me, uh, my overall takeaways on all this um, were that the whole price structure has been compressed. Nobody went above 13. There's nobody even at 13. There's nobody really at four. So it just seems everybody's been smushed in. Obviously, the defender prices have gone up. Like we said, it's really the game compensating for what had become almost game-breaking defense-heavy strategies. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that they, they've uh, overcome that. Like we mentioned, double threes, Liverpool and City, you basically have to. Um, and then Everton are right on that edge there with the early fixtures. Um, and there are lots of bounce-back candidates, which is obviously why we just talked about that. Any other kind of big wrap-up thoughts from you? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that this, is, that this game is supposed to be fun. This is the fun part of the, the day. First day of the season, you know, it's like opening day for. It's like other... Christmas, but surprise Christmas. Like you don't know yeah. what day Christmas is going to be on. Yeah, it's it, exactly the. Um, listen, tinker with your roster. Now's the time. It doesn't cost you minus four points. Doesn't hurt you in the long run. Try try ten different configurations. You know, try it, figure it out, and put this guy in. Replace these two. It's it, it's this is supposed to be fun. I know a lot of people take this way too seriously, and and make fun of everybody and, you know, call people out and be, you know, Twitter tough guys, but whatever. Just, just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I figure we'll just wrap up with our first teams of 2018, 19. Um, for me, starting at the back, I've gone with Allison and McGovern. This is literally the first time I've ever opted for a premium goalkeeper in my entire FPL career. So I probably won't do it by the time the season starts. <laughs> and I'll look to pair somebody at, at 5.0 and 4.5. It saves you it saves you uh, a little bit of money there. Um, but currently, Allison and McGovern. When I'm choosing my 4.0 goalkeepers, I chose McGovern because I remembered how dope he was for Northern Ireland and uh, those Euros that one time. Sure. <laughs> so that was the thought process on that. Uh, then through the back. I wasn't kidding earlier when I said I ended up with no Liverpool wingbacks. I just didn't notice that I'd taken both of them out as I tried to save money elsewhere. So the back line, uh, Van Dyke, Dina, Stones, El Mohamedy, and Sergio Rico, who I mentioned is the only 4.0 with any potential upside for my for my side of things. Um, then throughout the midfield, Mohamed Salah, Bernardo Silva, Richarlison, 
Brooks and Mendy. That is probably not going to be my starting midfield. I don't know where I'm going to get the money from. Probably Richarlison. I'm just buying all in on Everton's huge year this year, and I think Richarlison will be a big part of it. Unless they buy a big-name striker, he might be playing up front, although that's where he was least effective last year. Um, but he could be an OOP option at times. Uh, then up front, Aguero, Jota, and McGoldrick uh, from Sheffield United, who was in the double digits and goals last season uh, for Sheffield United in the championship. A bit of a price dump, but not a pure one. He'll get his minutes, potentially get his goals. Um, but like I said, and we were talking about earlier, you have to sacrifice somewhere. And for me, I have what is mostly a price dump at each level. At four, yeah, at all four levels. McGovern, Rico, Mendy, and McGoldrick. Um, probably not the way to go again by the start of the season, but just a first glance, a first stab at it. That's who I ended up with. Rob, what did you get? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of, the last, the last one I have right now is the one you're getting because I was, I was tinkering and, and doing all types of stuff. So mm. I, you're getting the one that I left off with and, and it's, and it's a, it's a PK taker special is basically <laughs> what it is. So, so in goal, I have Foster for, from Watford and Nealon from, from, uh, Aston Villa. I don't really care about goalies right now. I'm just gonna just saving money and just putting just plugging mm-hmm. guys in. On defense, I have Matt Ritchie, uh, Laporte, Alexander Arnold, Dunk, and Diop. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Ritchie is a, a PK taker there, so I'm risking yep. it at five five. Uh, through the midfield, I have Salah, Bernardo Silva, Milivojevic, Frazier, and Mark Noble. I told you this is the PK taker special. Yeah, you balanced uh, them a lot better than I did. Yeah. I have like a huge drop off. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think, I think Bernardo Silver's at eight dot is going to be the bargain of this year's yeah. NC midfielders. I think that if there's one guy to stick on my roster right now, it'll probably be Bernardo Silver, based on what I know right now that I'm guessing how his minutes break down. Um, I, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna buy into the Royna train right away. I just don't, I don't believe that he can sustain being healthy for more than for he can't put you know 38 games in a row together. I don't think. Um, so, and then up front, I went with Captain Kane, Gerald Delfeu, and then I just did a dump with Shane Long. Uh, I like, I like Tottenham's start of the season, or at least for a captain's standpoint for the first week with Kane against Villa. So that, that's the only, probably one of the only reasons I, I picked Kane at his price tag. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with the, I'm with Delfeu. I think Watford is going to, is going to either be just as good or maybe a little bit better than they were last year. And I think they're going to score a little bit more goals this year because I think that they're more of a complete team, having played a whole year under under their skipper and now playing the same, basically the same unit under them again without many significant changes. They'll get guys back from injury and, and such, but I think they're going to be a better team as they develop. So looking for better, like like how you feel about Everton is basically how I feel about Watford. And I'll even also be so bold that I think Watford finishes above Everton. Um, Ooh, so that means you think they're going to yeah. sign a center back because if they don't, that sure as hell won't happen. Hey, Craig Cathcart is a legend. <laughs> He'd yeah, have to yeah. be. They haven't had any other options. Yeah, well, they got Cody, but uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, this is going to change six hundred times. I, I like, I like a guy today. I'm going to hate tomorrow. So I'm optimistically, you know, optimistic. How's that? Yeah, no, like you said, these are just the first iterations of what will be many i largely agree with you i do like your balance throughout midfield better instead of mine i have 12 two eights a six and a four i yeah. think i'd like that to be a little bit <laughs> smoother um again I, I i i totally agree with you on, on bernardo that's why he's in my team as well i just de bruyne at 9.5 is so salivating also another thing to just keep in mind is you're picking your teams obviously not now because who the hell cares but by the time the season starts is what players are you confident in are undervalued because their prices mm-hmm. might rise and so the earlier you get on that train, the sooner you can add to your total value, the sooner you can start bringing in higher price players, or the sooner you can negate that those price changes in players that you didn't initially have. So just something to keep an eye on as we head into the season. But Rob, that will do it for us today. It was an absolute pleasure being back on air with you, folks at home. We hope you enjoyed hearing us once more. Uh, I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff. You can find me on Twitter, at Kevroff. You can also find my writings uh, maybe soon. I just realized I haven't written any articles yet, even though this just started. Uh, But you can find me over at uh, ESPN and Goal as well. Rob, tell the folks where they can get at you. Just on Twitter, FPL underscore MNOP. I am an officially retired fantasy writer. So if you want my advice, you're going to have to listen to my voice. He's done. He's hung up his pen. I've been to his place. There's just a bracket on the wall with one pen on it.
it's a it's a big goose feather with ink dripping off it. Oh yeah, it's really nice. He's got like the whole like glass dipping thing. It was a quill. a quill. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Um, anyway, Robin, absolute pleasure, folks at home. I don't remember how this outro goes because it's been so long. But we hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.